Hi, I'm Lindy. And I'm Marshall. Welcome to Tumble, the show where we explore stories of science discovery. Today, we're talking to the youngest scientists we've ever had on the podcast. Brother and sister Oscar and Mae Johnson were 9 and 12 years old when they conducted experiments in the Galapagos Islands. Wait, the Galapagos? Like the most famous science place in the world? Absolutely. In this episode, Mae and Oscar are going to share their story of science discovery. Hi, guys. Hi. When I talk to Mae and Oscar Johnson, they're sitting on a comfy couch in their house in Canada. But two years earlier, they were doing science far from home. So my name is May. I'm 14 years old. I'm Oscar. I'm 11 years old. May and Oscar have just published a scientific paper about the research they did when they were 9 and 12. That's like a pretty huge accomplishment for scientists of any age. So do papers list scientist ages? They do not. So anyone reading Oscar and May's paper wouldn't know that they're in sixth and ninth grade right now. And publishing a science paper is important because it's how all scientists share their discoveries. So that's really impressive. But how did it happen? Well, it starts all the way back when May and Oscar were 10 and 7 years old. Their parents sat them down and told them that in two years' time, they'll be taking a big trip to the Galapagos Islands, but not for vacation. They were doing it for science. And I remember like going around telling all my friends, like, guess what? In two years, I'm going to go to the Galapagos. And you're not going to see me. And they were like, oh, yeah, OK, because they didn't really believe me. The Galapagos are off the coast of Ecuador in South America. They're one of the most famous places in the world to do science. I knew about this. It's where Charles Darwin did the research that helped him come up with the theory of evolution, which is how species change due to natural selection. Right. And scientists still study the unique nature and environment there. Scientists like Oscar and May's dad, Mark. Our dad studies biology and ecology, so he is going to the Galapagos because of tribulus. So what's tribulus? Oscar and May showed tribulus to me over the computer. Is that a seed? That's a tribulus seed. It's tiny. Almost like the size of your thumbnail, pretty much. Probably a little bit smaller than that. And it's got a bunch of pokey spines. If you accidentally put your hand down in a tribulus patch... You're going to turn it around and there's going to be like tribute seeds all over. You won't even be able to see your hand. That happened to May. <laughs> she had splinters for days. Oh, man. So why does their dad study this pokey seed out of all the seeds in the world? Like, couldn't he study peaches or something delicious? <laughs> or a less pokey seed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just ordinary seeds. <laughs> Ones that don't hurt your hand. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I asked him that question in an email. He said it has a lot to do with Darwin's finches, a bird species that lives only in the Galapagos. The finches that eat tribulus have evolved larger beaks in order to snack on the hard, spiny seeds. It's a famous example of how fast species can develop new characteristics, which is called rapid evolution. So it's connected to this like, really famous research. Right, and Oscar and May were about to join that scientific tradition. After a two-year wait, it was time to set off on their adventure. 
first we boarded the airplane at Toronto. We um, landed in Miami, took a corresponding flight to Ecuador where we stopped for a night. Um, they had delicious breakfast there. Um, then we flew over to the Galapagos, which was technically our first stop. Um, we stayed there for three months. The whole trip was six months, and it was for their dad's research. They'll also be going to the Amazon, Chile, Argentina, and Japan. That's a huge trip. Yeah, and Galapagos was the big stop. We actually landed on the Galapagos on my birthday. My first impression, like, I was just in awe because we had been hearing about this place for years. And it was, like, kind of this, like, big mystical thing in the future. And then, boom, we're, like, finally there. And while we were driving in, actually, from the airport, we saw a lot of Galapagos tortoises, wild ones. That was kind of cool. But then we also got to see marine iguanas who just, like, sit on the road. They don't really care. And they'll just, like, move aside just enough so you can get through the traffic. I felt like on the first morning a little bit like Snow White because we were sitting for breakfast and all the Darwin's finches, they're just like coming down. They're like sitting on you and they're grabbing your food. And so by the end of the trip, we actually had like some like special friends almost. And so like we could recognize the Darwin's finches. And so we had like all these little names for them. And we had a marine iguana who had like a droopy spine on top. We called her droopy. And it was just like this incredible experience. Sounds like a dream for iguana lovers, which I have to admit, I am one. <laughs> Would you like an iguana friend named Droopy? <laughs> <laughs> I think I had an iguana friend named Droopy. <laughs> so having met their new animal friends, May and Oscar got settled into their lives in the Galapagos. They were exploring the island, keeping up with schoolwork, and lending their dad a hand. Originally, the plan was just to help Dad with his own experiment because he was trying to make his own the paper, which we call all his papers. But one day, their dad approached them with an idea. We were actually kind of almost going out for lunch, and we were sitting on a table, and it was just like uh, Dad and the two of us. And he brought up this idea like, hey, kids. He wanted them to try their own experiment with Tribulus to figure out why it has these pokey spines. At first, May and Oscar were skeptical that they could do research on their own. At first, I thought, like, bah, this is never going to happen. But it did. Their dad helped them get started. At the beginning, uh, we had, like, a lot of help and a lot of prompts. But, like, in the end, it was, like, our ideas that had actually gone into creating how it kind of evolved and how it worked. So they went from science apprentices to lead scientists pretty fast. Yeah, you could say it was a rapid evolution. Ah. Uh, <laughs> so every experiment has to have a hypothesis that it's trying to prove or disprove. So what was theirs? Well, they thought that the spines might have something to do with dispersal, how the seed moves away from its plant to new places. Our initial question was like, do spines play a role in dispersal? So, the very basic, like, do they use their spines to get around? Because most seeds don't have legs. <laughs> yeah, so first, Oscar and May had to collect a ton of tribula seeds. Yes, we did have to count them all by hand. We also had to spray paint some, orange, typically. So usually we had a hundred in a bunch. A tribula seed usually has four spines, two on top and two on bottom. But some seeds grow only upper spines or lower spines, and others have no spines at all. 
May and Oscar had to categorize each tiny seed by the number of spines. Then they ran their experiment. And so we put them on the ground, and we would have Oscar walk over them, and then I would walk over them. And if we could get like a couple of steps without it falling off,、uh, we would call it dispersed. And if it was not, we would call it undispersed, and we would record. Okay, does it have upper spines, lower spines, all spines, or no spines? Then they repeated the same experiment in a few other situations, like whether it could be spread by beach towels or on the road. And they had to keep careful track of their spray-painted seeds, which was difficult when a bird saw a buffet laid out on the road. And it like scurries out from the underbrush, but it just like picks up a seed and starts like running away with it. It must have thought it was a Cheeto or something. May, Oscar, and their mom had to chase the bird down to get their seed back. Wait, so they caught it? <laughs> <laughs> It's impressive. <laughs> That's, I mean, I've caught very few animals that can fly. <laughs> well, despite the meddling birds, Oscar and May finished their experiments. But it just made them more curious. But then we decided that we wanted to do a second experiment to see the difference between animals dispersing and humans dispersing, because we wanted to see if humans were the main dispersers. To design the second experiment, they had to ask themselves a new question. We were just thinking, okay, well, a, where would humans be found that animals would not be found generally, and where would animals be found that humans are not found generally? So somewhere where they could find just humans spreading tribulus compared to just animals spreading tribulus. Right, and then compare how many seeds were dispersed in each place. They came up with a few human places, bike paths. We did footpaths. We did the road again, and animal places. We also put them on a cliff where our caretaker said there was goats, and in some vegetation near a beach called El Galapatero. So, what did they discover? It was very clear. Our final conclusions. Dad said it was probably the clearest he's ever seen. Their hypothesis was proven correct. Yeah, we found out that humans are main dispersers,、um, and the spines do play a great role in dispersal. And we theorize, like we can speculate, that the lower spines could possibly play a greater role in defense, and then the upper spines play a greater role in dispersal. Oh wow! That's they sound like real scientists. Well, they are. May told me she felt extremely proud of the work that she did with her brother. Like it's one thing to go to the Galapagos Islands and have an amazing experiment, and then all of a sudden we were given an opportunity to actually formulate our own experiment. And then when it started working, it's like, wait, this is like what real scientists like. People are paid to do this, and we're like kids, and we're doing it, and it's working. Their experiments done and their data collected. Oscar and May and their parents packed up, said goodbye to their animal friends, and moved on to the rest of their amazing trip. But they weren't done with the science. It was time to share what they learned in a paper. The writing part was done by my dad because, like, it's hard for two kids to write a scientific paper. But we、uh, we read over it and we did some of the editing. I knew it would be a little bit long before we got our paper published. It took two years. That's like、uh, 
14 years in dog time. <laughs> Perhaps longer in kid time. <laughs> but finally, one day, they got the news. Their paper was published in the Journal of Ecology and Evolution. Well, when we found out, it was basically just a moment of pure joy. Yeah, it was, it was pretty exciting because we've been waiting for so long and to finally be like, wow, you don't need to be like a scientist who's gone to school for years upon years to actually get a paper out there. I think that moment was really cool. Yeah, that is so awesome. So now that they're published, like, are Oscar and May going to go do more science? Yeah, they both called their Galapagos trip a game-changing experience. But they both have slightly different takes on what they're going to do next. I've always kind of been a little into science um, due to my passion for animals. But after um, I published that paper, I, I realized it's much bigger than just animals and plants. There's an entire universe of science, and I kind of want to be a part of it now. I don't know, like, for sure if I want to go into, like, a scientific career because I've always really had a passion for teaching. And we actually run a club for children to actually teach them about science. And so I volunteer with them, and that's been, like, really incredible for me. Speaking as an educator, I have to say, you go, May. (laughs) You don't have to be a scientist to get involved with science. Yeah, like you could have a science podcast. I don't know. (laughs) Some people chose to do that. Some people. There's so many ways to do it. May and Oscar both acknowledged that very few people can have the kind of experience that they did. But they believe that science can be done anywhere and by anyone. Writing paper is not simple, but exploring a question and, like, getting a question, that's something that you can do in your kitchen. You look at something and you really think hard about it, and boom, it's just there. And you don't need to, like, have a science dad or, like, anyone to really prompt you to do these stuff. As long as you really love nature and you got a passion for it, anybody can do it. Do you want to get some hands-on experience with science? There's lots of ways to get involved. May recommends joining a nature club in your area. There's also tons of other kinds of science clubs and activities. Look to see if science organizations or nonprofits have kids' activities that you can join. With help from an adult, you can also email a scientist who studies what you're interested in. They might have ideas for how you can get started. Thanks today to May and Oscar Johnson. And a very special thanks to May and Oscar's parents, Mark and Reagan Johnson. They're all authors on the paper, The Role of Spines in Anthropogenic Seed Dispersal. We have a link for you to check out the whole thing on our website, www.sciencepodcastforkids.com, as well as photos from their experiments. We also have more from our interview with Oscar and May in a special bonus episode for patrons. To listen to this and all of our interview episodes with scientists, pledge for just a dollar a month at patreon.com slash tumblepodcast. Sarah Lentz is Tumble's head of partnerships. I'm Lindsay Patterson, and I wrote and produced this episode. And I'm Marshall Escamilla, and I make all of the music. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for more stories of science discovery. Science discovery.